0: how do you make difficult decisions? Are there certain lines of thinking or frameworks that you use?
1: I know I wish I had more. (laughs) I I struggle with making difficult decisions and um, I am not very comfortable with the feeling that this was an arbitrary decision. So I tend to look for consistency um, and frameworks are a nice way to have consistency. And so I really wish I had more frameworks. I don't feel like I have enough. Um, I don't think I can name any specific frameworks, but there are certain tendencies that emerge. So for example, I think I value new experiences. And so if sort of everything else is equal, but one thing feels like it's gonna be a newer experience, something different than what I've done before. um, I tend to think that information gain will be valuable and so I might use that as a tiebreaker. Um, I value not having stress and drama in my life quite a bit. And so again, all else being equal, um, if one thing feels like it will result in stress and drama, um, I might use that as a tiebreaker. And now you could ask me that if those two are in conflict, if it's new experiences versus stress and drama, which way would you go? And I don't know, that's where uh, framework would help. So I feel like I have a few of these rules of thumb that I can lean on every so often, but I wish I had more frequent.
0: Ray Mooney. How do you how do you usually make uh, difficult decisions um in personal life or professional life are there certain lines of thinking or mental frameworks that you use
2: i mean particularly in these days i would just say rational scientific thought right i mean i think we're living in an era where people you know go on gut reactions and you know thanks to our ex-president and you know let's not get into politics you know and Uh, Apparently, uh, Herb Simon used to have this this reaction. If He saw two people having an argument over something. He would say, okay, let's design an experiment that we would conduct to answer this question, right? Rather than just continually arguing and raising our voices and screaming, we say, how do we approach this rationally and scientifically? How do we design an experiment that will resolve this and, and not just have it be talk and, and hot air? And you know, I, in, I think we're living in an era where, you know, hopefully we're returning to it a little bit more, where rationality and science is the way to solve problems. And so I'm just a scientist to my core. And you know, I don't think we want to get into religion, but I was raised religiously. Like I said, I went to Gabby school. But in college, I just did not find that a rational view of the world. And I became a rational scientist. And I really do believe that that's the right solution to all the world's problems is not religion, it's not politics, it's science and, and scientifically reasoning through problems, you know, and running experiments and collecting data and analyzing it. That's the way to make decisions and, and to solve problems.
3: Thanks.
0: I I really like that suggestion that instead of arguing, can we together come up with an experiment that will answer the question. I like that suggestion. Danny Tarlo. How do you make these difficult decisions or things that may take you off the beaten track? Like are there certain lines of thinking or mental frameworks that you arrange things by? Yeah.
4: I mean, those like, okay, sticking on that, the, um, I think I generally think in terms of uh, what what decision is going to lead to the highest probability of me being happy. So it's a little bit different than like, you know, the maximum expected outcome or something like that. But it's more of just like, there's some threshold of being happy enough and like, how sure can we be about being above that threshold. Hmm. And And then, yeah, I don't know, maybe in terms of like breaking ties, going for the slightly different thing of, you know, like just when in doubt or when it, when it is, when you're, when it's something that's like, it's clearly above that threshold, then you can sort of afford a bit more uh, diversity in the decision making or like, you know, trying something a little bit different. It's like, it's pretty clear that we're going to end up happy here, but now which one do we choose? Then like, let's go to the one that seems a little bit different.
0: Hmm. The, the first thing presumably requires a good self mental model, like knowing what will make you happy and being fairly confident that that is what will happen.
4: Yeah. Or just admitting that it's probabilities and some of them can be uncertain. And, you know, there are certain decisions where you just don't have enough information to get like a really great estimate of these probabilities.
0: Hmm. Kyungyun. Joe. How do you usually make difficult decisions? Are there uh, certain lines of thinking or mental frameworks that you use?
2: Yeah,
5: oh yeah, I mean, the difficult decisions, this is a weird thing, so I try to simulate or de-emulate all possible scenarios, and then ultimately I often end up with the, this kind of weird philosophy that the for any difficult decision I need to make, the first uh, kind of decision uh, uh, option that I you know came to my mind is probably the right one to go so usually I, I think about all possible ways in which uh, the choice can go uh, but then uh, I end up actually choosing the one that I thought of first.
0: Interesting and in, in that case then how do you fight against recency bias making sure that you're not leaning towards the last thing you became familiarized with?
5: Right. Yeah. So what I realized is that the, there is the issue with the recency bias, but then you had the, I started to wondering, you know, because you had the, the future is so uncertain. And then that's the reason why the decision, these decisions are really difficult to make. And what that means is that the, we have to make a decision between the, you know, bias or variance kind of thing. I decided that the lower variance is better for my mental health even if you know there is a bit of a bias, then you're know, having a zero bias. But you know, have high, let's say, variance could be hmm. very detrimental for my, own sake. So that's the reason why I tend to go for the UK, okay, slightly more bias than variance.
0: Interesting. That's a that's a good way of thinking about things <laughs> and using the the ideas from machine learning. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Ruse yeah. motagi. How do you make difficult decisions. Are there certain lines of thinking or frameworks that you use to approach difficult decisions?
6: Difficult decisions? Uh, so for those, actually for, for major decisions, I, I think a lot like that's uh, maybe sometimes like a month, two months, three months. So I, I, I think about uh, think about a particular thing and and, and I make uh, and I make a decision. So and uh. Th- and I, I don't I don't regret any any decisions that I've made. So that's, I don't know if if, if, if it's because of I, I thought about I thought a lot about that decision and uh, and it turned out to be a good decision. Or or I'm a kind of person that adapts to situations very quickly and thinks that the the current situation is the best thing that could happen. And and so I I don't. Um, I don't regret any any major decision that that the uh that I have made. And yeah, I, I think I think a lot about about like uh uh any, any decision, especially especially uh especially major decisions that that might take a long time to uh to uh to reach uh to reach a conclusion. Mm. Interesting.
0: Judy Hoffman, how do you make difficult decisions? Um do you do you have a framework or a line of thinking? Like is it just pros and cons analysis with like a point system? like are you are you a hardcore utilitarian? how do you how do you approach difficult decisions?
7: It's the same way as that planning I was talking about. i okay. will I will definitely make lists. I'll definitely think about it. I will talk to people a lot, and then I'll just make a decision. <laughs> and uh, not even looking at lists or anything. Um, hmm. but it's it's sunk in at some point.
0: And do you generally find that you're happy with the decisions? Do you have regret about decisions later? Uh,
7: I definitely have regret when it comes to some things. Funny enough, like pretty much I have more regret about mundane decisions than I do about big decisions. So for example, I'm like the world's worst person at deciding what to eat at like I get to a restaurant and I decide what I want to eat I will change my mind three times and then somebody will come and ask me what I want and I'll pick something else and then I will just think to myself oh it would have been so good if I'd that other thing um but weirdly about big decisions like I don't know which job to take or w- which house to buy which car to get I, it's like there's no big deal like you just I can just make the decision and it's fine
0: interesting and would you rather have it the other way around or are
7: you
2: happy? Probably
7: with, not. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with it. It's really not that big a deal. It's just, uh, you know, in the moment, my definitely my, my friends and family know this about me. They're like, take the menu away. Don't let her think about it anymore. <laughs> Interesting.
0: Andrew Fitzgibbon. How do you usually make difficult decisions? Uh, are there certain lines of thinking, or so frameworks that you approach problems by?
8: Interesting. Um, I, I often say, I think really slowly, like it'll, I often need, need to say, okay, that's going to be all weekend and, and this is something that I would do at the weekend, right? You know, I, I, as I said earlier, I do like to separate um, uh, work and, and non-work life, um, but I do like to just let things settle for a while. So that's strategy one is wait. Right, and that's not always available. Sometimes a difficult decision needs to be made in a hurry or whatever problem you're trying to solve will get worse. Um, So first of all, wait. Um, And then second of all, just, um, so I'm really bad at chess. Because I kind of uh, think forward the move I want to make and then I'm supposed to think about all these other lines of, of, of attack and I can't be bothered because like there's this one that I really like so and I keep going back to that one instead of doing the other ones that I should be doing. So I do try and force myself to play forward the, the different rollouts and try to say right if this happens, then this happens then this happens right stop thinking about that now say if, if I didn't take step A, you know, um, so kind of formalize the tree search, I think is is I need to do that. Otherwise, I'll just keep thinking of the thing that hopefully will work, and that's no good. Mm-hmm. Giorgio Shaksari.
0: How do you make difficult decisions uh, when you're faced with a with the decision that can have a few different choices? Are there lines of thinking or frameworks that you apply to make difficult decisions?
9: Yeah. Um... Yeah, I do. You know, I think that one thing that I've struggled a lot in the past with when it comes to difficult decision is to not allow my hot head nest to, <laughs> um, to uh, you know, define how I decide. And this comes along with the overthinking in the sense that I, I have gone through stages where I, I want to be calm when I make a decision uh, and I want to be very sort of give it Give it time, not time to think about it, but give time to cool off. And um, I feel that time is like a very, I don't know, it's like a magical thing where it gives you perspective, even though you're not trying to, you know, make complicated thought processes and, you know, and read or try to get perspective in any other active way. It's just like time does this thing. Mm so I really try to do that. And then I I tend to, I, for example, like I feel that the most difficult decision I had to make in my life was to move away from home when I was like, go half a globe away to a country I've never been before that I don't, the net language is not like my native language. Um, and back then I felt that I I thought this through and I knew I wanted it. And I knew the risks, but, and I sort of said, you know, like, don't, you don't want to regret this.
10: Hmm.
9: So I'm like, that's a thing. Like, I don't want to think back and say, oh shit, I should have done that.
10: It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> We're all
0: adults here. <laughs> so is, is is minimizing regret uh, or minimizing, minimizing fu- re- future regret?
9: Yeah, awesome I think here. I think so. I think so. That's how I also agreed to be a program chair. Okay. Yeah.
10: Makes, makes sense. Makes sense. Which um, was
9: also a difficult decision, I have to say. You know, like, you know, I and mean, anytime that you, you're doing something that is outside of your comfort zone, I feel that's a difficult decision.
0: Akshara Rai. How do you make difficult decisions? Um, are there certain lines of thinking or frameworks? Uh, do you end up making pros and cons lists? How do you approach difficult decisions?
9: good question. Um, For me, difficult decisions, um, I can, yeah, I I need to write them down. So I kind of write a diary and it's not so organized as a pros and cons list. It usually starts out as a crazy jumble of things in my head. Mm. And then as I go down, I'm like talking myself down and thinking of, okay, what the options are and what the, um, you know, different situations are and then what is the best action to take here. And then, yeah, uh, once I have narrowed it down to a couple of actions that I could take, I always talk to my an husband and, and, you know, bounce them off of him to get the sanity check on what makes sense here. Sure.
0: So. How do you make uh, decis- difficult decisions? Are there certain lines of thinking or frameworks that you end up using a lot? So, I mean, decisions in general, general life,
11: professional decisions, sorts of things. Yeah. So I actually, I'm a very indecisive person. Um, and, And the strangest thing is that my dad used to say this when I was in elementary school. And I still can't understand. I asked my dad, what decisions did I have to make that you could see that I was indecisive? I mean, <laughs> right? you know, it's like, what do I do? You're an elementary uh, yeah. school kid. What, what, somehow, what shoe to wear, what I don't know. to take. I don't, know. I don't know, but somehow he found it. He, I remember still he saying that you, you, that I was indecisive and I still am quite indecisive. The interesting thing, however, is for the biggest most essential things in life, it just I don't have a problem at all. It's like the strangest thing. I mean, like you, you would think that somebody like me would have trouble figuring out who to go out with or who, which students to hire, etc. Um, the big, big things somehow I essentially have much simpler time. Sim- smaller things I spend way too much time trying to optimize because, to some extent, big things can't be optimized. I mean, there's no such thing as, I mean, despite this is the strangest part, right? I mean, we all work in, you know, all these things on AI, et cetera. It's like if you're actually trying to make, this is what I tell my students, that finding an optimal solution for an incompletely specified world is no good. Because you're wasting your time, but essentially it could be arbitrarily suboptimal, given the things that you don't know, both about your own rewards and about the world around you. So to some extent, you have to go with your gut instincts in those cases. And the simple things like should I take this flight or that flight? Those can be optimized. So I waste a lot of time on that. You know, uh, in fact, I I saved a whole bunch of time over the pandemic because I didn't have to make, you know, which flight to take kind of decision because <laughs> none of us was flying anywhere. Uh, but yeah, so I think I am indecisive, but only for less important things the most important things in life I don't know why it happens but most important things in life I never really had to spend um, time writing like the pros and cons
0: and figuring out etc. Adriana Kovashka. How do you usually make difficult decisions are there certain lines of
2: thinking or mental frameworks you use?
12: I don't think I've had to make especially difficult decisions until recently. Uh, I mean, uh, not until recently. Recently. Um,
2: and do you, do you have? Uh, do you recollect
0: how you made them in the past?
12: Well, I'm thinking of one of one particular decision and. Which turned out okay, I made the right decision. Um, But I don't know, I guess I try to turn off my thinking and maybe go with my gut, uh, both from a, I wouldn't say I'm an intuitive person, but I feel like sometimes I, you know, sometimes thinking logically is not the right thing. uh, And you have to go with what, you know, what your intuition tells you about how things are gonna turn out. Um, there's also a, I guess I try to make decisions from an optimistic perspective, like not, not naively optimistic, but not pessimistic. Um, mm-hmm. just, just making a decision that if things go well, will be the right decision as opposed to making a decision to guard me from all sorts of things, potentially going bad that are not very likely to go, uh, to go wrong. So. I don't know. I make decisions with optimism, I suppose, which pertains also to the one that I'm thinking of, um, which was kind of a medical decision that, you know, it was really not clear what, what, what to decide to do. But, it, you know, we made some decision and it turned out well. Um, yeah. But try to be optimistic, I suppose.
0: Aaron Courville How do you make uh, difficult decisions? Are there certain lines of thinking
10: or frameworks that you go to to make this difficult decisions? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not that That would require being a little more organized. The, I think, I I think I would probably just tend to go with, uh, yeah, I think I would ultimately there, I do mull things over. Sometimes I mull things over a little too long, but I guess I don't make lists. I don't. Um, I mean, I think I feel like there might be some amount of that going on when I mull things over. But ultimately, mm-hmm. I just I come to a decision, and I like to have a reason why. Like I'll I'll justify it to myself. But it's probably more of a post hoc. Yeah. yeah. Sounds sounds like you're you're a lot more model free than model based. Like it's yeah, like- I think that's right. <laughs> Yeah. but ironically, my my at least my PhD research was more on the model based model base side of things. But yeah, yeah, I think I am more model. Actually, <laughs> although I say that, but but the one thing I do have a tendency to do is like if there's something that happens, like if if you know we're going about our day and something bad happens, like some some dish drops or something like that, right? I'll, I'll be I'll be I tend to be the one who's like, okay, let's stop okay, like, let's think about what happened there and how can we change things so that that doesn't happen again? I'm very much in policy adaptation. Yeah, uh, but, but
0: that, that that doesn't sound in contradiction to Model 3. You, you, yes, like, no. there, there's an element of
10: surprise, there's a moment of pause, yes.
0: there's an opportunity to learn. And so that's- right.
10: That's right, I, I'm focused on the policy, not the model, it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point.
0: <laughs> Sasha, Josh. How do you make difficult decisions? Are there certain lines of thinking and frameworks that you end up employing?
13: Hmm. Yeah, Um, I tend to be a rash decision maker. Um, Hmm. I tend to to act too early. Um, Hmm. So it's something I work on is trying to be a little bit more cautious or or have a little more conversational tone. Um, I'm a strong believer uh, in a book Uh, my partner once gave me called crucial conversations that talks about um, particularly how to have very hard conversations and and when that's important to do kind of like about sitting down and explicitly forcing yourself to talk about uh, things that are uh, difficult or bothering you or on your mind something like that and I, I think I definitely realized I procrastinated on that a lot like Hmm. conversations i should have been having that i wasn't um that i needed to um but also trying to trying to encourage folks to have those with me even if it's hard for them hmm. Stephen lee how do you
0: make difficult decisions are there certain lines of thinking or frameworks or uh, in your case uh, spreadsheets <laughs>
14: uh, yeah uh so yeah so i will overanalyze decisions to death uh, to the point of like analysis paralysis Um, and then I feel like the actual final decision ends up being a gut decision uh, based on just like trying on decisions so that that is something I will do and put into practice um, is I'll just pretend like I've made up my mind and not tell anyone but just carry that mentality around in my head for a day or two and start thinking about like what would be once you've gotten that part off of yourself Mm. What do you do next? so you start thinking about moving and your you know your new colleagues or whatever, um, or you know what what research you're going to pursue, and as you're envisioning those things, maybe it starts becoming more or less appealing mm. uh, so then you switch the next day, you pretend you chose something else, and you do the same sort of exercises uh, so that the stress of the decision maybe doesn't and isn't the main thing you're thinking about when thinking about the outcome mm. Yeah,
10: I've I've
0: I've heard this. Uh, I've heard this uh, advice that you know you should spend a day or two pretending you've made the decision and see what you would do if you made that decision,
10: and then come back and. Um, yeah,
14: flipping a coin is also great, right? Yeah, you, coin, you know what you wanted it to be. Yeah.
0: <laughs> in 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 your case, I should mention that uh, your spreadsheets for how to choose what factors to consider uh, for picking a university to start a faculty position at is has been widely circulated amongst Davies uh, in my labs as, as an example of everything that you could possibly consider, including you know, down to the distance to a particular zip code that you would find yourself traveling frequently to.
14: Yeah, I also included like climate change resiliency and things like that. Um... By the way, the the Willamette Valley in Oregon does great as climate change looks like. Um, Yeah, I, I, like I said, I overanalyze and then I think, I don't really know how much that analysis is useful versus one of these work procrastination things, right? Like it seems like I'm working on the decision uh, even if I'm not really contributing to the thing that's gonna let me make the decision in the end. Mm.
0: Felix Hill. How do you usually make difficult decisions? Are there certain mental frameworks or lines of thinking you find yourself pursuing? Uh, well, yeah, so
13: I make at, at great cost and with lots of pain, I guess, is how I make just, I hate. I hate making big decisions. Um, uh, I, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't, maybe shamefully, I don't use any sort of formal frameworks that I can think of um what i do is talk to i like to i'm quite sort of open so i like to talk to people right so i just talk to as many people as i can try and get and then with time and talking maybe the answer will become clear mm. yeah Pushmeet
0: Kohli. how do you how do you make difficult decisions are there certain mental frameworks or lines of thinking that you find yourself going to do you end up making pros and cons lists or is there some other process that you follow?
3: Uh, pros and cons lists are, are good when you are thinking about it in a structured way, but um, uh, I rely, like sometimes I rely on, uh, I go with the uh, what intuitively sort of feels uh, sort of best. So pros and cons are a good way of actually just ensuring that everything you, that you you have awareness. So it's about awareness, but I'm not sort of uh, um, guided by let's see how many pros there are and how many cons there are, and then let's be very analytical in um, in uh, in rationalizing a decision. It's more about let's see what are the different aspects, and then once you have awareness of all of these, then uh, you make a decision. Then I make a decision intuitively, but uh, I'm. I prefer to be structured in terms of ensuring that I have awareness of all the issues that at play uh, but then uh, um, do not always sort of uh, go for a very analytical approach to take taking that decision think about also what is what intuitively feels uh, right
0: Carlos yes sir. how do you make uh, difficult decisions are there Certain lines of thinking or mental frameworks that you end up approaching it
10: via.
15: Yeah. When um. When Emily and I were deciding, we well, I was still a professor at Carnegie Mellon. She was at Wart, and We decided. Um, we wanted to be in the same university, and there were lots of options. And we decided what to do. Um, we actually built kind of a probabilistic model, we talked about utilities and uh, preferences and, um, and probabilities. And, and, uh, and then we tweaked the parameters so we would be like 50-50 on a couple of options. And then we did a coin flip. And when the coin fell heads, which was, or tails, I forget, I think it was heads for UW, Emily shouted, yes! And so we kind of knew that that, that was her, her preference and, that, and that's how we decided to move to UW. Um, but um, decision, I think that the, I approach decision-making in a pre-structured way. Um, I don't use SVMs, but I use um, an approach where I tend to try to be clear about what the options are and I think some folks approach it differently, but for me, it's really about uh, what are the alternatives and what's the value of the alternatives? Because sometimes there's two options. Like the the hardest thing to make a decision about, the place where many people get most obsessive about is when there are two options, they're epsilon away from each other. It's hard to figure out which one to pick because you're focusing on the epsilon. But there is uncertainty about that, that value. And so the epsilon is um, drowned by the uncertainty. And if you try to just optimize the value, it uh, it becomes really difficult. And so my approach is more like outlining the options and then just picking one and going with it. Yes. And I think it's a, like you asked me a question for something that I'm particularly passionate about and I have kind of a, an approach that works for me, but I tend not to obsess very much. And I don't focus a lot on regret either. In retrospect, (laughs) I kind of make them decisions and I I stick with them. Makes sense. Charles
0: Ispo. How do you usually make difficult decisions? Are there lines of thinking that you find yourself using and and falling back into?
16: You know, It helps to have a goal in mind. It helps to have a vision. It helps to have a long-term thing that you want to do. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. These are the things that I can always fall back on. So, you know, if there's one thing I care a lot about, at least in, well, even in the research side of my life, it's about vision. There's this thing I'm trying to do, and it's okay if it's going to take decades or if it's going to happen long after I'm gone. um, There's something I'm trying to accomplish. So being able to return to kind of your North Star uh, becomes very important. So when I have difficult decisions to make, uh, I always try to at least reflect on, well, what is it we're ultimately trying to accomplish here? And I have found that saying it out loud to yourself and to the others who are involved in the conversations with you is very important um, because it reminds us all of what we're doing again. And it's a a mechanism for not falling into the trap of just solving the problem that's in front of you, uh, which is pretty easy to do, pretty easy trap to fall into. And we're all trained to do it anyway. Uh, so this this is a kind of thing that I try to think through. What is it I'm ultimately trying to accomplish? Can I um, can I see how the decisions I'm making now, and the different outcomes will either further that or set it back? And will it set it back in the long term or just in the short term? And you, you try to do it. You're not always successful at it. Um, and sometimes you just have to make the decisions you have to make or all the decisions are bad and the constraints are beyond your control. But in general, if you can see how it's going to to help you to get to the place where you think you need to go um and where you're trying to move the organization or where, or the impact you're trying to have on the world then then yeah um that, that's it you got to have a you have to have a true uh, a true north you have to have a a place that you're trying to get to because otherwise it doesn't matter it, you, you know you, you got just pick the thing that is locally optimal and don't worry about whether it's globally optimal yeah yeah Maybe this is why I do reinforcement learning for a living. (laughs) Expected reward. My goal is to maximize long-term expected reward. Was there any other answer you (laughs) had? I I kind of knew. I'm surprised we we waited till like question ten
0: to get to reinforcement learning references.
16: Uh, (laughs) I'm pretty sure that the reinforcement learning references were in the very first question. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I
0: believe what we're engaging in now is uh, hindsight experience replay or like hindsight goal relabeling. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, what what else is there? (laughs) Yejin Choi. How do you make difficult decisions? Um, Are there lines of thinking or mental frameworks that you find yourself using? Like, how did you choose grad school over the software profession? Where do you work now? Or or any other difficult decisions that you may have made? Um,
17: Oh, I probably just go by gut feeling what I feel more excited about because um, I have to live with that decision and I better be at least feeling excited about it as opposed to, I think one thing I am not very good at doing is doing it because others think it's a good idea and I should do it because Others will think highly of me as a result when I don't enjoy doing it. I I just can't. So mostly, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I I just go with uh, what I feel like more. Just follow my heart.
0: Um, And do you end up uh, struggling with regret or is that not generally how you find yourselves thinking?
17: I very rarely ever regret with my decision. Mm. I mean, I regret that I didn't work harder, perhaps more vaguely, but not with a particular life decision. Because I feel like, I mean, if it was a silly thing that I did in the past, probably that was just the best I had anyway. I mean, maybe I needed to try something and see it for myself to realize that it was a bad idea. Mm. Like, why did I... Do minor in operation research back in Cornell when everybody warned that it's too much of a math and I I had to uh, they required um, prerequisite so we were required to, to take PhD level uh, math and you know statistics classes and they assumed that I took their undergrad level classes which I didn't I mean had. Hadn't had a chance to take such classes back in my university when I was um, CE major, not CS. So Hmm. all the more I didn't have access to that kind of a class. So I was studying their undergrad textbook simultaneously, mostly during the lecture. I have no idea what the professor just said. And then I'm going back to the chapters that include such unk words, (laughs) like some theorem that everyone knows about that I don't. So I'm reading that and then uh, working on the homework and exam and everything. And also, I really didn't want to get help. So I really preferred that I solve everything on my own. Mm. So it was hard, um, but with more time, it, it can be done. It's just that, you know, I probably sacrificed something else in exchange, like uh, more time for research, well, less time for research.
0: Mm.
17: But um, I feel like it, it was important for me back then, so.
2: Interesting.